It's Lights Camera Jackson. This is the LCJ Q&A podcast. You can also read these interviews at animationscoop.com. Brand new animated film, perfect for this time of year. It's in theaters this Friday, October 20th, The Canterville Ghost. And maybe to some of you listeners, that title sounds familiar, of course, based on the Oscar Wilde short story. Joining me, co-director and producer, Robert Chandler. Robert, welcome to the LCJ Q&A. Hello there. What a lovely introduction. Thank you very much for that. You're so welcome. I enjoyed the movie and I enjoyed the way this story goes. Uh, Oscar Wilde, of course, an icon. What do you love about Oscar Wilde's writing and, and incorporating that into this movie? Uh, Oscar Wilde is, is, is a favorite writer, I have to say. There's so much warmth and wit. He understands people. He mocks people without ever being truly cruel about it. All of his characters, you can tell, when you read him, that he loves his characters. And I think that's a great sign. In The Cantiful Ghost, he puts an American family into this big old English house at the turn of the century in 1900. And he, he it, would, it would be quite easy for an English person or an Irish person, as Oscar will tell me off for that, um, to mock the Americans in, in quite a hard way. But he doesn't. He loves the Americans. He was actually, he did a tour of America giving a reading tour. Um, and, 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 and similarly with the aristocracy, he understood fundamentally the, the sort of the desires and the heartbreaks of, of being an aristocrat. And so he was able to put these two groups of um, cultures and values together, the American family representing modernity and the, the English aristocratic people and the house representing the values of old, and he made them collide. And he made them collide in a ghost story for children. How cool is that? And so at the centre, you have this ghost, you know, been dead for 300 years, uh, cursed, meeting uh, essentially a, a, a teenage girl from Boston. And, and, and our film really tells the story of that friendship, which in, initially, of course, they're, they're at odds with each other, but they form a friendship. And by the end of the film, they, they've saved each other. And that's what really drew me to his story. It draws me to all of his writing, his, his characters uh, and his warmth and, and the fact that he has something to say. Yeah, Virginia, our lead character, teenager, she's not scared by Sir Simon, which is is sort of a twist, I think, on many interpretations of a ghost story that we've seen on screen over the years. She's a strong lead character. And you're right, the dynamic between the two of them is very interesting as the movie goes on. It is. It, it, we we knew, you know, sometimes you, you do a, a test between your two leads in a romantic comedy and make sure that there's a sizzle there, a chemistry test, as we sometimes call it. Well, in ours, we had to sort of three ways. We had Virginia and Henry, with whom she falls in love and he falls in love with her, although he's smitten quite quickly. And Virginia and Sir Simon. And Sir Simon loathes Sir Henry because of what he represents. So that triangle, we, we had to make that work. And, and, and that, that was really about casting and I think I think it did I mean Emily Carey gives a brilliant performance of Virginia she gets her vulnerability as well as her as well as her steeliness and you're right she's completely unimpressed Sir Simon he's so used to you know scaring people and then they're running away that when this family just simply refuses to be impressed by him it actually forces him to undergo a crisis of identity. And, and thus the film starts, the story starts. So if they had run away, he'd just carry on as normal. And in a way, he wouldn't really have solved his essential problem, which is how does he get back to his his wife, whom he hasn't seen for 300 years? And then we pitch Henry into that. Uh, and so you have this sort of, it's not a love triangle, but it's a triangle of friendships. And, and, the, and the two, uh, Virgi 
Virginia and Henry uh, eventually do see how much they are, how different they are to each other. And, and in a way, that's the perfect recipe for love. And, and, and so it all comes together. So for me, I have to say, yes, it's a haunted house story, but essentially it's, it, it's a love story. Henry is voiced by Freddie Highmore, who I met several years ago, who has such spirit to him. And of course, Stephen Fry voices Sir Simon. And Stephen Fry was recently Leonardo da Vinci in The Inventor, another great animated movie he's having quite a year. I know also Stephen Fry played Oscar Wilde in a 1997 movie. So was that uh, part of his interest for wanting to get involved in The Canterville Ghost? Jackson, that's exactly right. I mean, we um, when we started this, Stephen wasn't part of it. It was myself and and uh, the director Kim and my co-director and the, the two screenwriters. We, we we fashioned our screenplay. Kim did some beautiful drawings, and then we approached Stephen Fryer because yes, he played Oscar Wilde, but he was more than that. He's a sort of I guess unacknowledged, but maybe acknowledged ambassador for Oscar Wilde's work. And uh, we we sent him the screenplay and ran, you know, just as a voice for hire job. And uh, he came back with Gina Carter, who's his producing partner and business partner. And they said, we want to do more than just give Stephen's voice to this. We love this. Can we be your partners on it? That was right at the front of the process. So it set us up really nicely. And so Stephen and Gina came on board. We co-produced it together, my company and Gina's company. Company and and hey presto Stephen loves Oscar Wilde but he for me um, the Canterville Ghost is is Wilde's uh, sort of King Lear character in his literature it's 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 this older character who's got a lot to lose and a lot of experience and and Stephen brought that sort of lovely um, depth to the role and and I think it's it's a superb voice performance and Freddie sort of coming in with the this youthful energy of being a sort of very privileged uh, land owning English aristocrat and at, at first you think yeah I can understand why Virginia is rejecting him but you see his heart you see he's a genuine person and uh, and she sees that and so by the end when they team up I, I'm sort of cheering for them yeah great characters yeah Stephen Fry is fantastic in this and one of the interesting elements you touched on it a little bit is is uh, Sir Simon longing to be with his wife and one part of that is he cannot, as the ghost, leave the property. He cannot leave the property. And I wondered, as you were making this, obviously the last few years with, with the pandemic, there were a lot of times where families could not leave their house. I just didn't know if there were parallels as far as this longing to be somewhere else, this longing to be with other people as you were making this. Well, I love that. I hadn't noticed that. And now that you say it, it seems uh, there it is. There's a sort of theme. Jackson, brilliant. I mean, we made this film during the pandemic. I was sort of directing it from my place in Hampshire in, in, in England. I would say it's a bit like Canterville. It isn't. It's much smaller. But it, it was built in 1600, my house. So it has its wow. sort of share of ghosts. Um, and then we, we were storyboarding in New Zealand, animating in India, post-production picture in Ireland. I did all the voice recording in, in London. Um, and, and most of that was done uh, via the pandemic, via Zoom, as we're talking now. Mm. So I hadn't picked up on that, that housebound thing but now that you say it yes of course uh he he is trapped and he was trapped and being released for him is it is therefore much more significant than just returning to his wife it's actually let, letting go being able to walk out of the house effectively right robert chandler the co-director and producer of the canterville ghost is here with me on the lcj q a podcast you can see it in theaters starting this friday october 20th i enjoyed the movie was enjoying the movie we get to the third act 
And the third act takes a shift that I think is very powerful and very effective. It involves Hugh Laurie's character. Uh, don't want to give everything away, certainly. But as you were making this third act, that really makes you think, how did you want to approach it with, with what you take with the tone and the content that we get in the third act? Yeah, no, thank you for saying that again. The, the third act for me was the re- real reason for making the film. If you read the short story, Oscar doesn't go into any detail at all about what happens in that walled garden. We see, we know that before, we know the after, we know that effectively Sir Simon gets saved, the curse is lifted, but he doesn't tell us what goes on. He spends all his time racing around the countryside, looking, the family looking for Virginia, and he minds that for comedy. But I read it and I thought, what goes on inside that walled garden? What happened? And so we made a point of, of, yeah, showing that. And we spent as much time on that um, sequence as on the rest of the movie. We were planning it in advance. We, because it, it has its own color palette, its own, I'm doing this because it's like the set, the set turns like a sort of the yes, it does. Yeah. Um, and, and the colors are different. It's desaturated. And, and it, it, in a way, this is the domain of the Grim Reaper. This is Hugh Laurie's turf. And, and, and Simon and Virginia enter that. It costs them a lot to enter. Virginia has to make a great sacrifice. But of course, it's, it's, you know, it's drama. Uh, great sacrifices have to be made. Um, and so, yeah, we wanted that to look different, to feel like it was part of Canterville, but it was, it was through a different lens. And so instead of the trees being realistic, they were all painted as though they were in a theater. Um, and then they revolved as, as the, as the, as the Grim Reaper turned from a, a gardener into a swordsman into this big monster. And when that doesn't work, he turns into other characters with which to trick Sir Simon. I, I you know, uh, so, uh, for me, uh, pay off uh, all the good stuff in the third act if you can. And, and we did. We went we went for it. And I have yeah. to say, Hugh Laurie, he really brought his A-game. He was voicing four different roles. And we saved the big monster till last so that he could sort of preserve his voice. He may have gone out for a cigarette just before he came back in to record that growling monster. But I, I thought he did it brilliantly. Yes. And visually, it is complex. It is striking. And also with what you have to say about time and what you have to say about love and romance and life, that's really going to get the adults, I think, to go, especially to go, wow, it's going to make me think. Yeah. Well, I hope so, because, you know, love is only important if, if, if it's finite. And, and that, that's something that, that I think, I, I don't know if Virginia and Henry are old enough to understand that yet, but, but essentially, Hugh Laurie tells them that <laughs> and and it's just about as they're about to, you know to embark on their own romantic adventure and to be told that I think is quite powerful you know do not waste your time time is precious all those messages that we made sure were an intrinsic part of that that battle and and that 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 ending and thank you for saying that because I know children as well were actually responding to those messages and um and it, for me it's 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 you know what I mentioned the Canterville Ghost, the Oscar Wilde story. I, I, I said Oscar always had something to say, and, and I, I think film should have something to say, and, and that, that's one of the things we're trying to say in our film. Yes, this definitely has a lot of strong things to say. Before we go, what are your plans for Halloween time? This movie coming out, what do you, what do you love about Halloween time, and what are your plans for this year? Well, I think it's no surprise that I love monsters. I mean, I'm surrounded by them. This is yeah. my 
And there, you know, if you could see it, it, it's full of monstrous stuff. So Halloween is like 365 days a year for me when I come into my office. I love it. You know, um, this very year, it's nice because we have a special screening of the Canterville Ghost in, uh, in, in actually in Marlborough, which is not unlike Canterville. Um, and I'm going to be introducing the film there and it's to, to families. So uh, I hope that they can get something from it. But I, yeah, I love Halloween. Who doesn't? You know? Yeah, it's it's a fun time of year. This is a great film. The Canterville Ghost in theaters this Friday, October 20th. Co-director and producer Robert Chandler. Thank you so much for being here today on the LCJ Q&A podcast. Thank you, Jackson. It's been a joy to talk to you. You as well. Congrats on this. I am Lights Camera Jackson. For all of these episodes, go to Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and lights-camera-jackson.com. Don't forget to read these Q&As at animationscoop.com. Thank you for listening to the LCJ Q&A.